0: Welcome back to yet another episode of the Your Mission podcast. Our mission, this six-week interval, was to cut down Devo's 1978 or 79 album, "Duty Now for the Future, which I had a long history with. I've been listening to Devo for a very long time, and I'm not sure if you guys had much Devo experience, so Hmm. it was a bit of a hoping you had never heard it before.
1: Okay. I've never nice. heard it before. And, uh, and
2: confirmed, Source never heard it before. Yeah.
1: Uh, I think but the, it looks
0: the, like both all of us have cut like more than six tracks, so that's a good sign. Yeah. None of us came back with this one was this track
1: was good. So I have heard two songs on here before. their are cover Secret Agent Man, which hilariously didn't make any of our cuts and that should probably tell you something. And the uh, Smart Patrol Mr. DNA, which I didn't know the name of, because I saw it was on, I can't remember what, it was on like, maybe, I think it was like a Lollapalooza video, where, so apparently in the, I think apparently in the mid-90s they did Lollapalooza, they were like the mystery band for some Lollapalooza shows, and I think, It was like one of those Lollapalooza tour videos that had them doing that song and I just it was familiar from hearing it then and then I think that song was also like on a mix I made later but I'd never listened to the full record or any of that so yeah it was new to me like I know the previous record and I know the next record pretty decently but never taking the time to listen to this one I'm just gonna go Say it. I I like this record a lot. It's not perfect, but there were like... None of the songs were really, like, offensive. I didn't like... I don't like the Secret Agent Man cover. It kind of sounds a little generic. And I like the original Secret Agent Man, like, way more. (laughs) But it's like a little more just straight and cheesy. And... But yeah, otherwise, like, really... So what I did with my cut was... I made a freedom of choice cut. So basically I made the cut of what they want, what they were trying to go towards and less like what they were coming from. So like most of my picks are more on the synthy, synth pop, less guitar general. in general, right? Like that's the majority of the that's the majority of my cut. And I I, I I did that specifically to try and differentiate probably from your guys' stuff. Like, I was thinking, like, I would probably be a more alone. And in fact, I'm trying to think here. What is the overlap? I was the only one to put this song on the opening track. <laughs> the yeah. De- The Devo Corporate Anthem. And then I was the only one that put SIB on my cut. And so, and I was the only one that put, oh wait, no, Timing X, you put, Jenny, you put Timing X on there. Okay.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad somebody put SIB because it is a lot of fun. It's a strange little track. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. the the Devo Corporate Anthem and and (laughs) out feel like they go really well together. Clockouts—a pretty crazy little parody of being the guy in charge of an office.
1: Yeah, um,
0: yeah, it's pretty funny. A little it doesn't.
1: What's funny about the Devo corporate anthem is it doesn't sound like. It sounds like a fake medieval, like 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 the king arriving at the castle type of song. It doesn't really sound corporate exactly to me, but I don't know. I wasn't around in 1979, so who knows. I don't know. Um, I
0: think you've got the right vibe. I think the overarching joke is supposed to be that, right? Yeah. Like it's a satire (laughs) of corporate power.
1: This is, to me, they're trying to go in a different, or not different direction, but I think they're trying to lean into the synthy weirdness, campiness on this one more than on Are We Men? And all that. And I, I kind of dig that. I appreciate that. It's like a, It splits a difference in a way that's really cool. It hasn't completely abandoned the like sort of punky, crazy spirit of the older stuff. Which is cool. Yeah. Which is super cool. Uh,
0: did you have much Devo exposure prior to no. spending the last None. month and a half to this?
2: Actually, no. None at all, with the exception of hearing Whip It. That's pretty much it.
1: Whip is the first time I heard Devolve, no doubt. Yeah. The Whip It video. But
2: I'm pretty yeah. sure that. Well, go ahead. Came from an episode of Beavis and Butthead, I am almost certain.
1: <laughs> I remember seeing the Whip It video, like, on MTV at some point. And I always thought it was funny and weird. And then re watching it recently, it's, like, very perverted. I was like, damn, man, they put anything on TV uh, back in the day. No, it's not like, there's no nudity, it's just, it's so not subtle, (laughs) like, about what's going on in the video, and, yeah, I don't know, super cool. It definitely made an impression.
0: I think that video, I think the fun in that video at the time was, like, people really didn't have the kind of, like... Full exposure to the kind of things they're joking about in that video. So, I think there were a lot of people that were just confused by what was happening in the video and then a handful of people that kind of got the like BDSM elements. And <laughs> it's I don't think it's that they put anything on TV. I think it's just people were so much less aware.
1: Of <laughs> Dude, that, I was like uh, you, you you watch this and you're just like, "What?" I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> and then the pie and the whipped cream. It's just like too much, dude. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> like, like, this, God damn, man. Okay. No, but it's awesome. It's an awesome video. Don't get me wrong. It's a fucking awesome video. It's super cool. The balls to do stuff like that back then was like pretty tremendous. And the video for... the I video you- for oh, what, what the hell's the name of this song? The Day My Baby Gave Me a Surprise. That's actually really cool, yeah. too. And some of their... They, they have some live performances of it where they do it in the same way as the video. And that's actually really cool too. And it was always, it always seems like Devo has always been like a big part of their thing, it has been the visual element of it and the mythology around it. <laughs> like the Spuds and the Boogie Boy and all this stuff, like, has always been an important part of it. And that's really cool. Not every band can pull that off.
0: Yeah, it, it's. They definitely like risk a lot in terms of if you're trying to be, I don't know, easily consumable, you don't do any of the things that Devo did Mm -hmm. and they still did a good job of making a name for themselves while still being like super weird and out there.
1: Ryan, what's your history Um, with, what's your full history with Devo?
0: So. I think like Toma, the first time I saw With It, the video for With It was probably Beavis and Butt. But I think my full history actually comes by way of Weird Al Yankovic, because when I was in like first or second grade, I had like the one friend I had at the time. We were both super into Weird Al. And I remember having the Dare to be Stupid album and at some point having a video collection and i think what i was trying to do was like piece together the world i wasn't aware of by way of like weird al's like strange parodies right and dare to be stupid is that perfect stylized Bevo parody i think mark mother's called it like the most amazing vivo song that Bevo didn't write <laughs> um and and yeah it was like just trying to answer like a world of questions that came from listening to weird al yankovic album at seven led me towards finding Devo and whip It and all the like weird things that Devo had done. I think at, at, whether it was a, a video or probably a magazine of some kind and then piecing that with a record store like seeing Are We Not Men at the record store or possibly yeah. even this album and picking it up or asking parents to buy it for me and then you know, actually doing that.
1: Was D.Va cool when we were growing up? No. Look, like, D.Va wasn't, like... I don't think so. I don't remember. (laughs) I don't remember that.
2: I feel like they had moved on. Like, things had moved on by that point. I just don't remember them being, like, in the consciousness that much when we were growing up. And then I feel like, for me at least, or within my sphere of experience, Beavis and had brought that back, and it was just like, "What is this video? <laughs> what is yeah. going on so, here?" And so, it was
1: like, "Huh? Okay." So Jenny, like another piece of the puzzle for me with Devo is like, in the '90s. So for three years, I went to Nerd Camp summer camp. So i was like, I don't know. It was like I, I would be gone for like three weeks, and and so it was like at a coll- Dickinson College um, in Carlisle, PA, and I'd go there and then have a roommate, and then we'd basically go to college classes, like, college-level classes, and take two college-level classes, and then do other summer camp stuff. And so I got introduced to the Church of the Subgenius at this, like, nerd camp. Have you ever heard of that? Okay. I don't know if I have we have enough time. (laughs) To discuss, but basically is like a fake parody, weirdo satire cult, and represented by like a, a guy that looks like smoking a pipe, that looks like he's from the fifties, called Bob. And anyway, for whatever reason, I feel like Devo. I think Devo was really. I was reading that Devo was into the Church of Subgenius, but. The same person that had that Church of Subgenius stuff also was into Devo and would play like the Freedom of Choice, like when I was in Nerd Game. So that's probably the first time I really ever listened to Devo. I think in the after party we're going to play the trailer for the Church of (laughs) Subgenius.
0: Yeah, I, I added a couple of links for the Church of the Subgenius stuff. There's a trailer for a documentary on it. There's also a short video explaining Slack and the idea of subgenius. Like yeah, I don't know.
1: Run. Do you want to try? It? Do you want to try your hand? and try to explain this shit.
0: The only thing I can say is it's intended as like a parody on popular like kind of fundamental Christianity like just general like religious nut business that was happening in the 80s and yeah Bob is J.R. Bob Dobbs and the primary deity is Jehovah one Um, (laughs) but yeah people like there were all kinds of weird J.R. Bob Dobbs is he's a picture of a 1950s dad from a sitcom with a pipe (laughs) and like a vest and like a flannel shirt Mm -hmm. and so like it was popular with mark mother's ball devo members of negative land david byrne Art crumb mojo nixon paul rubens yeah yeah there's a lot of (laughs) it's worth watching the documentary because it's really funny because they're all a bunch of sarcastic assholes and it's a great response to like fundamental like fundamentalism and like cult Christianity, which would be really funny.
1: It was like a, it was just like, like a set, like it was, a, it was like a satire. Like I remember that I would yeah. like, yeah. they would show me like the book of the Church of the Subgenius and you could buy the whole Church of the Subgenius. Like at the end there was like, like things you could buy. <laughs> so you could buy like posters of Bob and anyway. And at the end it was like for a billion dollars, you could buy the whole Church of the Subgenius. It was like really, again, hard to explain, and basically at that time I was looking for any kind of religious satire material, so it it was very appealing.
2: (laughs) I mean, I'm open to that whenever it comes along. My window on that hasn't closed, but uh, no, it sounds like the sort of thing that's really well done in practice, but just maybe hard to explain.
1: I don't know yeah, maybe the yeah, yeah the trailer the trailer yeah. Okay. yeah, go ahead
0: no, the trailer helps like the Wikipedia page is pretty in depth, right? like it gives like instructions and general belief stuff, but it's almost like reading an article about it makes it sound too serious, it, whereas yeah. like seeing the documentary where like you see these people behaving satirically. Like behaving if it's a serious as if it's a serious thing, but in jest, and it's like a room full of them, and it's absolutely hilarious.
1: I mean, yeah, this, I don't know. So this this gets to one of the things about Devo that I really like, which is, and which is really I think hard to pull off in music. It's like having a sense of humor about their shit. It's like definitely a performance. There's definitely like satirical elements. I, it's really hard to do. Like, how many bands you have you really pulled that off? I think it's like a handful <laughs> that really pulled that off in like a major way. Being able I to... I think
2: that a lot of them tend to skew the other way, taking it way too seriously.
1: For sure. Yeah. For sure. Like, for me, like, to me, like, the inheritors of a little bit of that kind of attitude is less the outfits, and, but more of the attitude is, is like ween. Right? Like, they've made, they've had a really long career of making fun of everything in themselves. And they're still, I think, treated as, like, musicians and not, like, just a complete joke.
0: You know, I would argue, like, bands like Primus and the Butthole Surfers have, like, Devo to thank for being able to get away with the things they got away with for as long as they did and still have a career. For sure. Yeah, you could... Devo just showed you could be weird and write really strange songs, but they could still have a book and people could really enjoy it. And it was sometimes radio friendly, right? Like with yeah. it's a radio friendly track. It's like yeah, everyone sure. knows with it. They may not know Devo, and they know Whip it, <laughs> right? Like
1: it's also just it's an art. Project. Look at this album cover for this record it's yeah. really cool it's this weird pastiche yeah. of like barcodes <laughs> and almost like it's like kind of European like German European sort of aesthetic I, I don't know I don't even know what it to make of it it
0: cra- kind has a craft work craftwork aesthetic yeah for
1: yeah like for like sure like and then the images of them
0: yeah and, and the helmets with like over the grid paper is very weird Yeah. Almost like blotter paper, not.
1: I I think what's cool about them is that, like, just the satire of, like, commercialization. Like, that's the stuff that, like, is appealing to me. And a lot of inspiration from, like, conservative, like, 50s stuff. And, like, they turn the kind of cheesiness of it into something else, (laughs) Mm -hmm. which is really cool. Like, it's cuz like anyone can make fun but then like to be able to make fun in a way that's like an interesting You lost your video alonzo oh no sorry to make fun of oh, <laughs> oh okay we're going to we're going to yep, be without my... to your... we're Ex- going to be without my video for a second explain
0: your point and fix your camera
1: how about we do that <laughs> for right now but, yeah, but anyway, no, I was just saying to me it's like really hard to pull that off. Like, it's, it's not too many. It's like the difference between, I don't know, like Insane Clown Posse or something that like they try to be funny, but it's not really, I don't know, it's just, just. it's not a satire of anything like, it's not, it's, there's no bigger message really. Or I guess, to be fair, I think isn't the bigger message of like Insane Clown Posse like Christianity? It, it turns out, right? Isn't that like the thing?
0: yeah i I think that's yeah it was always a little like that type of mythos in a weird way
1: i'm not the expert seems
0: like it's opened up a little bit more directly (laughs) but but, to think that those guys like put enough thought into it to have some like overarching message is probably
1: giving them credit where they don't deserve it all right am i back i'm back all right nice (sighs) you're back back. welcome back Yeah, no, but anyway, like, it's... Okay, so, maybe we should talk about some of the songs here. Triumph of the Will? (laughs) Did it make any of our cuts? I don't Uh, know. Man,
2: those lyrics were a little something else, honestly. I was like, really?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so this song... So, yeah, so this song... It was like, I think... I, I I remember reading something about this song where someone was like... This isn't, this is like like fash and not really trying to, like barely making fun of it. And I don't really see that necessarily. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It just seems, yeah, it seems bizarre. And then just to reference the Triumph of the Will is also just out of left field. If this would have made my cut, it could have been in, it could have been the The Sweater song for me. I kept this out, though. I didn't love it.
2: I was just gonna say, it's definitely one of my least favorites, and also just, it just sounded very rapey, and and on top of not caring for the music, I was like, yeah, this is not a keeper.
1: (laughs) Before I die, I'll get another piece of pie.
2: It is the thing females ask for when they convey the opposite. It's just, what is that, a no means Uh. yes? (laughs) Great. yeah, it feels weird, and we're, I'm not, I'm certainly not here to, I like plenty of songs that have lyrics that have become problematic recently, or after they were written. Yeah. I'm not like the police, I'm just saying, does not give me the good vibes, I'll put it that way.
1: It's not a very catchy song either. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As opposed to this song, I think this is, this song is the catchiest song on the record, if. You're asking me. The day my baby gave me a surprise.
2: Yeah, uh, I agree with you. It's number one on my list, because this is actually one I really liked a lot. I like this. This got like at least a four or five, I think. Super catchy, and it reminds me in a good way of probably what I'm most familiar... Like, in this space that Devo occupies, I'm not familiar with Devo, but I am really intimately familiar with the cars, which is like adjacent. I feel like those two kind of occupy the same space. Um, ish.
1: Dude, I was about to say, this song reminds me of, it's like a car song. It's like their car song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: And if you want to talk about like... That is a lot of what I thought about when I was listening to a lot of this stuff, is that this, listen, this is a decent album. I don't love it on the whole. I do love this song. This album as as an entire piece of work I don't love, Mm -hmm. I don't hate it either. I think it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly enjoyable. It's a decent effort. But if I'm looking for something that's like in that sphere of like weird electronic rock, I'm usually going to pick up the cars, mm. nine times out of ten. And and that's just because I heard, that's just my, that's just what I'm familiar with, and I think they do it for my money just a day. Although I will give Devo some solid points for lots of respect to them for being the individuals that they are. I really, I think that's one of their most appealing factors for
1: mm-hmm. me. So, okay. Also,
2: oddly not. Yeah. Devo is from Ohio originally, am I right about that? Am I misremembering?
1: I think they went to Kent State, is that right? Yeah, they did.
2: So I also realized that so are the cars, which blew my mind. I did not know that about the cars. The The cars apparently got started in Columbus somewhere. And I think it's actually very cool that Ohio was at the same time turning out both Devo and the cars, which is good for them. It might be the best thing Ohio's ever done because it's a short list. No bad, <laughs> but, You know. No. Good for no. them. Good for them. They were, them. They were d- doing something in the late 70s, early 80s Ohio was doing right. There you go.
1: Yeah. Harvey Picar.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. So to say, to talk about the Triumph of the Will, like the thing I'll say for that track is it has like the tone is the Devo corporate anthem with lyrics Mm -hmm. and i'm sure that like i never know what the intention i can't really talk about the intention of the lyrics but i feel like there's a number of things that they talk about that are a parody of like more general kind of idea like i think like it's really easy to see them as a parody band that actually makes decent rock and roll And I think in terms of My Baby Gave Me a Surprise and like the Cars theme with it. Yeah. It's... They do, like, much much like the Weird Al Dare to be Stupid, which is like a stylistic cover of Devo. Yeah. They do stylistic covers of other bands. And I think My Baby Gave Me a Surprise is like an amazing stylistic Cars variation. And songs like Get Stiff, which is on the like remastered version of this is like a stylistic Stones cover. And when they actually cover the Stones with satisfaction, they do it in such a weird and <laughs> unique way. Yeah. Which I think is the, I, I think that's the dis- disappointing part of Secret Agent Man, is that it's not quite as weird as I want a Devo cover to be of anything. Yeah, And it while it's fun, it feels like it's a thing they want me to take seriously. And that's, I think my biggest critique comes from, I'm never quite sure, and I'm sure it's, it's probably intentional, yeah. probably one of those things to fuck with the listener, but I'm never quite sure what they want me to take seriously and what they want me to laugh at, because it feels like, a point. i i Like, it feels paint Pussycat, like we're listening yeah. to it now. This song is odd and like disturbing yeah. and hilarious. And there's little pieces of it that's, are you making like, are, is it sexual innuendo or is it a parody of sexual innuendo, right? Like, Devo is one of those bands that I've never settled into like, exactly what they want me to feel, <laughs> because sometimes they want me to feel a thing like Freedom of Choice, right? Like, mm-hmm. Freedom of Choice is a song that makes you wanna, they want you to feel that. Other songs, it's, it's yeah, it's, I think you just, I think you're making fun of something that may not be as timeless as it felt at the time,
1: so i feel, I also think like with this with the sex stuff, this is like a different time- I think people think of like the way that people talk about sex and music is like some sort of continuum where it just yeah. gets more and more wide open, but I disagree because I think around this time people were like talking about that stuff and ways that we're probably not comfortable with anymore in the mainstream now
0: when they talk about sex it makes me think of revenge of the nerds <laughs> and i don't know if that's it, it's like a chicken and egg situation yeah it's, did devo develop that weird kind of nerdy like sex joke or was it developed by, by revenge of the nerds and then like parodied in devo i can't I don't know I what mean, happened
1: there. I, don't know I, I did Revenge of the Nerds. Was that? Was that? There? This
0: was that was after this stuff, right? I think it was before. I think really. I think it was like late seventies. I think.
1: I never liked that. I mean, it's, I'm gonna be honest. I never liked that. Those movies. But I don't remember any of the other ones, but.
0: All right, so Revenge of the Nerds was after. It, it was '84. So you're right.
1: But but maybe just that just sentiment just bubbles up of being I don't know like just being a dude and being denied because you're not cool or something like that or you're weird or something like that. I wonder if some of the some of the sex stuff is clearly it would have been more clearly a parody then because like we're living in satirical times and like you have men's rights activists and all this bullshit (laughs) Like, like you have the whole like intellectual intellectual movements around like. Like basically the premise of Revenge of the Nerds. So it's, yeah. so it's, I don't even know, dude. Like maybe back then, maybe this was like clearly like some nonsense, and now it's like fucking real. <laughs> I don't know.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. That's, uh, that's a very good observation, and yeah, like I I think there are timeless tracks in what they make. There's some really great stuff in here. This album, Freedom of Choice, like. Yeah some really great tracks and there's also some stuff that I don't understand this because <laughs> it's 40 years later and I, I, so, I don't
1: know, I don't have a frame of reference So Ryan, uh, 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 let me go on a little tangent, if you, forgive me I'm going to go on a little tangent So for earlier today uh, I was on Twitter and, and a Twitter ad came up for Heinz mayonnaise combined with sriracha so uh, like,
0: we're going on the Must Master, frame.
1: Right yeah, on. yeah. But it was like mayonnaise and sriracha in this, the same thing. And yeah. I almost never actually look at those ads or whatever. You just keep scrolling and move along. But I was like, I wanted to look in the comments in, in the sub tweets just to see if someone mentioned this Mr. Show skit, which was a satire of the very idea of combining. <laughs> Like condiments into one, and the Mr. Shoskes is—it's about a company that combines mayonnaise with mustard, and then it's mayo stirred. And then there's another company that combines mustard with mayonnaise, and it's mustard mayonnaise. And then at the end, there's another condiment that's a combination of mayo stirred and mustard mustard mayonnaise. Which is must like... Is. Must may have Must may have Yeah.
2: Let's not leave out the uh, mayon egg also.
1: <laughs> but look, back then, when we watch that shit, that was like a satire. It was just like, that's ridiculous. It's like a corporate, sort of corporate satire. Like, who the fuck would need the it combined already for you? It's like ridiculous. And now...
3: Then, <laughs> then they,
0: like... But then... So I think... That also came from in the late 90s, mid to late 90s. They started selling peanut butter and jelly combined. Oh. right. That's That's the other piece of the Mr. Show joke is that at about that time, they like smuckers or somebody started selling (laughs) jars of swirled peanut butter and jelly. And I think that's probably part of the inspiration to Mustard and mayonnaise. Okay, all right. And it's even funnier to think that there was a thing, but it was something that, like, 100% of the time went together, and someone went out on a limb and created a product. And then they throw out the mustard and mayonnaise, which, sure, I guess, I guess <laughs> I've had sandwiches with both of them. Like, that happens for sure. But, like... This idea that it became two things, and then yeah, like, within the last five years, it's suddenly, oh, <laughs> you need to try this new hotness, like, <laughs> sriracha mayo. <laughs> but the, the thing, oh, your camera dropped. again. The yeah. um, there went
2: your video. But further, just to solidify your point, I think, have you guys seen that tweet that was making the rounds, I don't know, several weeks ago or something like that? Where this guy was like, Yeah, and like my ne- my like young nephew was like, Yo, it's funny because it says '69. It's a meme, but nobody knows why. And he was like, Yeah, no one knows why. <laughs> like these really? kids are out there and they, they find '69 to be like this very hilarious meme, but have absolutely no clue what the basis for it is.
0: the thing that i laugh about that is i think there was a period of time at least there was for me like i'll end up to it there's a period of time where like adults made jokes about things around me and i like gave it the old guffaw without having any idea what it meant and then inevitably repeated what i thought was a funny joke to my friends who probably also didn't know what it was about and then laughed because i was laughing and that seems like one of those like timeless kind of things where like kids laugh about a thing they don't understand. But to think of that it can exist at like a meme state globally is like absolutely amazing. <laughs> like it's absolutely stunning. It's this is why memes exist.
1: Nice. Yeah. Sorry, my video is probably yeah. going away for a while but
0: right, you're good. Yeah, I, like I say, I like devo for me is like a parody band that somehow made amazing rock music while they weren't taking themselves too seriously and then became a weird band in a way that like no one else was really doing and it went from punk to weird kind of synth pop and i feel i feel you're right i feel like that's a big part of why i like this album is that it rides that line between the are we not men album and and
1: what devo became yeah. um yeah it's like a little bit more edge than yeah. than the later stuff
0: and a little bit more refinement than the early stuff Like it feels like this is an album where they're comfortable with their instruments in a way that maybe they weren't before there's some pretty wild guitar solos in this but there's also some pretty crazy synth guitar parts that just show, like, comfort and a willing to screw around.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so... I guess they were, like... Like, they were popular on TV. I guess it makes sense that they were so... Like, they were big on TV. Like, even before... Um, yeah. Even before, they were like, a bit.
0: Yeah, they have a couple... I think, also in the after-show notes, I had uh, their SNL performance and, like, uh, David Letterman performance. If not the performance, then an interview with Letterman, where Jerry Casale and Mark Mothersbaugh are sitting around in their outfits and making jokes about themselves. Yeah, that's Um, pretty cool. Yeah, and Mark Mothersbaugh went on to do some wild stuff. He scored all
1: these Wes Anderson movies.
0: And he also wrote the theme to Rugrats. Like He (laughs) writes like video game music, movie music, all the time now. I've also, in the after party, there's a bunch of incidental music from the Royal Tenenbaums that's fantastic. Mark right. Motherspaw did. But he's just one of those guys that, like, cared. Like, he, he, like, made some really weird stuff because he didn't take his skill seriously. Yeah. But, like, really cared about the delivery of the music. And it shows you can't just, I mean, you can make some, like, garbled nonsense as a joke and probably get away with an album, at least an EP, maybe a touring career. But these guys put heavy work into their arrangement, and it was different and strange in a way that like, was coming out of New York, and it came out of Ohio. It was <laughs> such a unique
1: thing yeah no the ohio thing you know, thing is you know cool. who else
2: had a trajectory and it's interesting that you bring that up because the other person like that who immediately comes to mind who i can think of who had a post-musical trajectory like that is trent resner he has spent a lot of his time in recent years making not really not so much his own albums but soundtracks huh. things that he's been commissioned to do and i guess pitts Pittsburgh-ish is close enough to Ohio. Uh, Something <laughs> be said for that, but yeah, a no, like, lot of weirdos in the middle like of the if country. You think about Oh, for sure, and I, I think that's that comes with being stuck in the middle of the country. Like you, you gotta entertain yourself somehow, right? For and, sure. Um, you don't have a you don't have a beach sitting right there that you can just go be entertained. You you really <laughs> you just got a, a bunch of land staring at you, and you got to go figure stuff out for yourself. Yeah. You have people who s- slide off of that album grind and then go on to be like producers or they produce other people's stuff. They start like doing that sort of thing. And then you have people who are like still creating, but they're not necessarily creating like their own. Albums anymore. They're creating other stuff. There's still. What am I missing? Is there a third and a fourth? Or is that pretty much your options post been hanging up your own album type thing?
0: Yeah, I, I think that expanded career, like, I think some people really make that work, and it tends to be the people that have spent the time, like, trying to engineer their stuff. Yeah. Which, to be said, like, the first Devo album was, you know, produced by or at least in part by David Bowie. So Bri- I,
1: Brian, Brian Eno, I think, produced Bowie. it. and Yeah, but yeah, exactly. Bowie was the one that helped him get a record deal.
0: I think Bowie had some production credits on it as well. But yeah, and the thing to think, like, that I think about with Reznor is he's been auditioning for Incidental Music Guy his entire career. Yeah. And it's so good to see that work out for him.
1: So, here's an, another thought I have about also, this. Also,
2: the Watchmen soundtrack is, like, really good. I don't know if you guys spent time with it, but I played that for, like, a month and a half at least.
1: Oh, that's yeah, cool. That's really good. So, one other thing I was thinking about, like, that maybe would lend itself to making them ideal to do scores and things like that is they built, like, a mythology around their music, which is, like, yeah. really unusual to just build these like narratives and stories around it and build a world around it that that's really hard to do in music like very few bands that pulled that off
0: yeah i feel like most art bands go for a concept album and i feel like Devo went for a concept career
1: yeah exactly and and it
0: it, it's and it starts in their early shows like it starts out the gate early Devo shows and they're already like making references to Spud Boy and like they're, they're already like, Hey, we're weirdos. And if you think we look weird, wait, do you see, wait, do you hear the rest of this show? Like, well,
1: so it's so, so boogie boy, right? Like that's a whole yeah. thing in there. And in there's like boogie boy is just is Mark Mothersbaugh getting some sort of Halloween mask. And it's a creepy, yeah. we'll see it here. Actually, if <laughs> you're watching on Twitch, there's boogie boy right there with on the keyboard, but it's bizarre, <laughs> and so one of the cool things about Devo is, and I got into this way later, is that they released all these like rarities and things that they recorded before they signed a record label. It's called Hardcore Devo, so they did it like decades later. And some of this shit is so amazing. There's one thing I'm going to play during the after party. They were already talking about Boogie Boy and Spuds and all this stuff then. And this was like in nineteen seventy four or nineteen seventy five. So like imagine yeah. seeing those guys then doing their weird ass thing. It must have been like just mind melting. <laughs> like it must have been. So they and, and yeah, so to me it's it's a natural thing for them to do like scores and sound because they understand like the idea of building a world through music already. Yeah. And the same goes for yeah. Resner. I don't know that he did that to that extent, but if you think about all of the music videos that came out that were like very Resner, right? Like <laughs> and very much his like vision. And he always had a very specific vision for all the things he did. Yeah, It makes sense. Yeah. The breaking. I think he was
2: I think he was very good at creating an atmosphere, which is one thing that really lends itself to like score work or soundtrack work.
1: Yeah, no, no doubt. This is the first track on the Downward Spiral, but it's. And maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but there's a song on there that just. It sounds like it's like someone punching, like at the beginning, and then it goes into like crazy loud-ass guitars. What the hell is it called?
0: Yeah, it's the March of the Pigs. March
1: of the Pigs. Right? Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and. It just sets the tone immediately, (laughs) like, for what are we going to get into here? It's it's like madness.
2: It's actually one of my favorite Nine Inch Nails songs. Um, Of of that era, I'll say, at
0: least. Yeah, and the video for it, like, really, like, is insane. All of
1: their videos, think about it. All their videos are are wild. Yeah, all their videos are cool.
0: Yeah, Yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, let's see, I was looking, I was going back to the list. Toma, you and I both had Wiggly World on our cuts. How, what do you think
3: of
2: Wiggly World? It was, and I guess maybe I should put the whole album in an overview because I don't think I've done that properly mm-hmm. yet. But yeah. This was one that kind of, this was a grower for me. So I listened to it once and not much of it really took on the first try, with the exception of
0: The Day My Baby Gave Me a Surprise. Uh,
2: But yeah, that one. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, which one had the super long name? Yeah, that one I liked immediately and I still like a lot. Like, it's great. The others, like, took more time. I had to, oh gosh, I don't know. I'd say it took until at least, like, the fourth or fifth listen for me to find my way to, like, the others on here that ended up being on my list.
0: So, Red Eye I was one that, that I thought maybe would show up for you earlier. Were you, did you? What did you think of Red Eye the first time through?
2: Red Eye? Red Eye was... It ended up towards the bottom. And what I think really happened is that you had... I made my list. It was very easy to put the day my baby gave me a surprise in the first spot, mm-hmm. obviously. Because I ordered them in order of liking. So that one was clearly going to be in the first spot. And then... Timing X Space, one of the other ways I try to do it is I just go through and do it in the way that I've ranked the songs numerically. So Timing X and Space Junk had a 3.75, so like that one came next. I just did it in that order. So Wiggly World was a really close second, and then I had several that were clustered around like the 3, 3 3.25 mark. Mm. And Red Eye was in there, and also Blockhead was in there too. Those were all like right around that like hovering sli- at three or slightly above. Corporate Anthem actually was a three too, but the problem with that is that if I'm gonna make my list, I'm, I, I'm gonna focus on the songs, that just makes sense.
1: Yeah, like, yeah.
2: So, Red Eye, Red Eye, one of the things that I, it ended up also being my sweater song because I don't know what's going on in those lyrics either. 50% mm. of the lyrics is the word gone. And then it just has this very cryptic, something's rotten in Idaho, and I don't know what to do. And I'm like, what is go- What's going on? Okay, like, something's I'm waiting for the tea. And...
1: Something's rotten in Idaho. Okay, it might have something to do with the whole Spuds thing. So I think, like in like the, the Devo the mythology,
2: songs, yeah, because Smart Patrol and Mr. DNA, or is it Smart? This is a Smart Patrol section. yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Is like where it's like nobody around here understands my potato, and I feel like yeah. maybe if I had more background, I would get that. But I'm like, Do I don't know
1: that, you know that there's a ton produce? there, this but it's like
2: bringing me back to the eels video. Yeah, it's bringing me back to the eels video where I'm like they're, the produce man. They're really like, what into is
1: up? they're really into spuds and potatoes, but yeah, go, Ryan, why don't you try... <laughs> attempt to explain this bullshit. <laughs>
0: so the spud, so the spud and potato thing is, it's kind of there, like average guy right like i'm just i'm a person like i'm a spud i'm just another spud like Um, just another like it's a psychological thing right this idea of no one understands my potato right no one gets like who i am like no one gets what makes me work and yeah the the spud and potato and spud boy is just like it's a self-deprecating like It's a way to be self-deprecating about like how weird they feel.
1: I think so, yeah. Something's wrong in Idaho. I didn't even notice that lyric, but that's got to be what it's referring to. Something is wrong in normal dude world. Normal person world. Oh, sure. Listen, there's a lot wrong (laughs) with normal person world
2: all the time. Like, I don't disagree. So, I'm with him
3: with that. Yeah. But I...
2: I like it. It's like, it's, it's got like a nice like it's on the rock side of things which helped a little bit for me it's just slightly more my style and it had a lot of energy to it which I liked it was high energy decent beats and it had like I don't know it just it really came together nicely I thought despite the confusion over what the hell was going on in that song lyrically <laughs> I thought it was enjoyable enough and it took me a little while but I got there
1: so so one other thought around this like with the synth sounds and stuff like that so there were a lot of bands doing synth stuff but i feel like Devo one of those few bands w- that were doing it like in a nerd male sort of way because i feel like there was like a lot of stuff in britain like with the new romantics like Yaz and Boy George and stuff like that and it was like really all about like gender bending right and stuff like that and they were a lot of those synth pop bands were like leading the way into that different instrumentation and Devo does not have like beyond the fact that maybe they use some of the same instruments like basically it's conceptually like nothing to do with that stuff I feel like it's interesting I don't know (laughs)
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a good observation. I feel like they're, musically, they're answering, they come to answer that, like, new romantic synth wave out of Europe in the same way that they tried to answer the 50s American proper Midwestern culture. Yeah. And that's, I like saying, yeah, okay, but I'm a weirdo, what happens for me? (laughs) And they just carve carve it out themselves. And as far as Red Eye, like I was thinking, that would be like like musically, that was a good shorthand for for you, Toma, because it's got a lot of like punk stylings in it, and lyrically, it I think I've always seen I've always seen Red Eye as like a tour song. If bands have like a tour song, Red Eye feels like the all right i've been gone too long on tour and things have got a little weird and i miss my baby back home and it's time to get out of this like all night travel red eye distress and take the red eye express back home like <laughs> like maybe that's too much and but yeah. for me that's the moment of like they want me to change gears and they'll take them a little bit more seriously when like i come out of something like pink pussycat or something <laughs> Like it's a tennis game of taking it seriously.
1: So, there's one song I, I want to talk about: "Swelling Itching Brain." Because I was the only one, I think that picked that guy. And
0: yeah, it's only because I, I was starting to approach the length of the album right with my cut, and I had to make some cuts.
1: It's a, it's a, okay. A couple things. It's one of those songs that gets stuck in my head. So, the majority of the time, I listen to this. Record, I was actually doing work here in the office, and so I just put it on repeat a bunch of times. <laughs> and it's actually really fun to do work to like, really fun to like manual labor, physical work. Like, it's actually pretty fun. Like, the energy is pretty consistently up tempo and cool. And then this song, just like the how re- it's, I, I recognize it's probably a little too repetitive. <laughs> But in the right state of mind, like when you're doing work, it's kind of nice. And the weird melody sticks with you. And-
0: It's an industrial track. Like it's,
1: yeah. It's up-tempo. It's up-tempo. And also, so I get these like tension headaches sometimes when I don't do good like stretches and like when I'm like working for a long time and like my neck, like I'm just craning my neck. And, um like, they're terrible. Like, I don't get them all the time. Like, maybe, probably once a month or something. And there's easy ways for me to deal with it. But, like, when I get them, they're, like, they feel horrible. And I just totally feel, <laughs> like, I totally feel that. <laughs> That's the song I'm going to think of the next time I get that headache. Um, yeah. It's just—it has that nervous energy of when I start getting that headache, where I'm like, "Oh God damn it! I can't think! I can't think! Like my brain is hurting," type of deal. And that's cool that a song does that. A- again, I recognize it's probably way too repetitive. It could never play on the radio. It's too fucking weird. But I, I sympathize with it on some level.
0: Yeah, I always—I don't have—I barely <laughs> ever get headaches. I'm super lucky about that. Yeah. But like. The energy, I recognize the energy and yeah. it's an interesting, it's an impressive way to convey that in a track. It does good because it, it sets you on edge through the entire song.
2: It would be really
1: fun and to play. Wouldn't it be fun to play if like you were in a band? Like, wouldn't this be a fun song to play? <laughs> Like super yeah, fast, super intense.
0: Yeah, it, it, yeah, it would be fun to make it more intense like, <laughs> as it gets out there and just like really make it a headache-inducing.
1: <laughs> yeah, no
0: doubt. Yeah, I, like it's. There's a lot of stuff that's fun about this. One of the tracks that, and it's on the remaster and on a like an early single, so it only made the remaster was "Be Stiff," which like. I don't know if you guys listen to the cut with that track, with that track on it, but mm-hmm. it's such a Rolling Stones song. So, yeah, I don't know, they, they just, they strike me as a band that's willing to do a lot of things differently, even across an album. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun to go back to, I like it playing in the background. There are so many, there are song. all the songs that I don't, oh, probably is... a lot of the songs.
1: I've heard this song before. Yeah? Maybe you've played it for me. Probably. (laughs) Yeah. That's cool. It's such a cool little track.
0: Yeah, there are things that are in songs that I'm not crazy about that get stuck in my head, which is a sign for me of a very intelligent group of musicians. Like, if I'm not listening to your song a bunch and can still, like, reference it for things, whether it's a joke... or whether something gets said, and it reminds me of a lyric, like, that's a good sign. If it's a song I'm not really listening to, and it still sticks in my head, then you're doing good work, and like, swelling, itching brain is one of those, right? (laughs) Pink Pussycat's one of those. There's, like, even uh, Triumph of the Will, there's something about that, like... (laughs) That tone? That tone, like, that, like... (laughs) That that thing? and it's not the chorus yeah. like it's the verse that gets stuck in my head yeah. it's that the melody within the verse if you can call it a melody i'm not sure yeah, you can call it a the melody. tune yeah like that component of the verse gets in my head for dumb reasons and if i'm have <laughs> if i have to do something like official I feel like it's like a, a bureaucratic drudgery thing that I have to do. Like, you can you play that, a Devo
1: corporate anthem like the next time you do. The that? thing
0: is that no one else would get the joke. It's <laughs> one of those things that, like, for me, it's very funny. Yeah, and I I can neither explain it nor reference it because no one else has that in their head.
1: Sometimes it's only for you, man you know I'm fine with
0: it I'm not (laughs) complaining I'm I'm just saying it's one of those things that that's not a song I listen to at all but if I have to do something formal and I'm bored by it it starts that that tune starts to play in my head
1: yeah no doubt on Freebird me and Ryan have some alignment with with the two part song yeah the two part epic Smart Patrol Mr. DNA
0: yeah I I think it's a smart song right like it's actually three songs put together and it has a really crazy guitar solo and the middle component of this song is tell me that's not some it's not begging for crowd interaction like. It's like a chant, it could be happening in a live show and the entire crowd could be chanting it and it would be hilarious.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> suburban robots that monitor, like, yeah. that's the part, like, we're Smart Patrol, nowhere to go, suburban robots that monitor reality, that feels like it's just begging for like weird Devo fans to chant it.
1: So, uh, they're all singing this, right? So like, it's not just Mark Mothersbaugh. it's yeah. like, they're trading off like lines in the verse. It's yeah. cool, not super common. And like they're harmonizing, if you want to call it harmonizing. So, I would imagine that this song live would be really fun. Yeah. Cuz there's like a lot of opportunities for the crowd to like sing along and also a
0: great closer. That's it's a great encore. Like if you if you were seeing this
1: band and they came back out for an encore and they just rocked this song for 9 minutes, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Also, I guess the song—not necessarily in this part—but builds the the mythos, right? The smart patrol stuff, and then wait a minute, there's something wrong, and then it's Mr. Kamikaze, um, yeah, here to spread a, some genes. He's an,
0: he's an altruistic pervert. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I listened to a couple live versions of that song where they changed. They change pervert to like bastard, asshole, like whatever. And and I guess, yeah, I don't know. It's just, again, it's what the hell kind of lyrics are. Uh, to me, it's the bizarre chaotic embodiment. Like it's like the world building, the sound, which is uh, punky, but then with the synths and with the weird sound effects and stuff like that. Yeah. This does the best, in my opinion. It's the most epic song on the record. It does the best, like, of yeah. representing the record. That's why I made it to Freebird, my favorite.
0: Yeah, no, there's nothing like being fed up with a boring day and referencing, I'm tired of the soup du jour. Like, <laughs> it, just, there's so many pieces of Diva's funny mythos that, like,
1: we like, they just wiggle their way into my life. It's great. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. So Jenny, you did not have a free bird, or you were wondering out loud? I just,
2: I just struggled to to land on a clear one for me. And I don't disagree with anything you guys mm-hmm. have said, and I think that's fair enough. But apparently, I had difficulty coming to a conclusion on my own. Yeah. Just because, and I think part of it is because everything on here lyrically, it. There aren't really that many Freebirds, if any, Freebirds. <laughs> they don't tend to be along those lines. And, like, musically, a lot of these are short and electronic, and so I think I was just, like, having trouble trying to make one of these fit neatly into a Freebird mold. But, right, like I right. said, to the extent that you can pick one, I, I, I don't... I think that's a perfectly good assessment <laughs> to the This to See, to
1: me, th- this could be a Freebird. This could also be a Sweater song, because... The lyrics are crazy, and you have to invest some time to try and interpret them for sure. And also, I feel like another hallmark of a sweater song is there's like a part where people are just talking, right? <laughs> like, just and there's parts that aren't exactly just talking but are less sung and more spoken. But I don't think what are the love songs on this record? Like, it's like trying for the will, which we already discussed is highly fucking problematic. And then what? Like, the least, day my baby you know, gave me a surprise? Whether,
2: whether it's meant to be. Yeah. Which also is like about her getting out of the hospital and is also like really, I thought, depressing. Okay,
1: wait. Is it about her Wasn't getting it? out of the hospital? Is about him being in the hospital and getting a note from her. Is that... I thought it was, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. So I read a little bit about this song and supposedly some people think it's like a sequel to an older Devo song called Come On Johnny where the song is about a guy named Johnny who is in love with this girl but like being or playing the game of leading her on and then gets into a head-on collision with a semi. And so some people have theorized that this is like some silly Devo mythology stuff. But some people theorize that like this song is like Johnny waking up in the hospital getting a note from the girl that he was with before the accident. So <laughs> there you go.
2: Uh yeah, I thought I think that I assumed she was in the hospital just because it says it beside her bed, so I just assumed like the hospital bed was hers. But Oh, yeah, man. I guess I can right. see how it would be like <laughs> open to interpretation, though, because other parts of it, I think, are well, yeah, but other parts of it I think could support the other idea. She was coming back to see me, she was
1: visiting real soon, gonna get up from the long white bed and leave this cold white room. This cold white room, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, (laughs) I
3: Yeah,
0: I don't know either. Yeah.
1: So those are the love songs. Yeah, it
0: almost sounds like she's like escaping a mental hospital, but she does have a pen beside her bed, which
3: I don't think they would.
1: <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So there you go. So yeah. No. If we're picking free birds off of I don't know what whatever the artist's vision of love is. <laughs> we have we have <laughs> yeah. some slim pickings here.
0: And notoriously impossible to like pick like the artist's idea of love out of Devo song. Like, yeah, it's that's an intense it. it's an intense exercise.
1: Yeah. Okay. Do you want do you wanna I, I, I like ahead.
0: I like that none of us agree on the sweater song, which which is great <laughs> because it really proves that the sw- sweater song designation is absolutely meaning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna influence you guys. Yeah. But my in my mind oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like a song that doesn't make sense and maybe some people talk. But it still slaps. That's my way of looking at it. But it is open to interpretation. All right, you guys want to rate this? And I'm happy to start. Like I said before, it's to me, it's like the, it's like part of the journey to get to Freedom of Choice, which is like their big record with a lot of songs that people probably know and are really popular. More synthy. I think it splits the difference. It was cool. I dug it. There's like more songs in here that like. I have an ongoing playlist of songs I should use in some movie someday or something, and so there are a couple more from this record that I've discovered that I are going to make it on there. Timing X for sure. There's got to be like a montage or some sort of chase or something like that that has to be set to this song, like to the song.
0: And that's like their most like craftwork esque song. Yeah, so much, so crazy and fun. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was fun. It was really fun. Again, like, it's also interesting the context you lis- listen to these. Cause, so this one I didn't really listen to in the car very much. Mostly listened to it while I was, like, doing, like, work, like, manual labor. And that, it was good. It was fun. It it was, like, high tempo, high energy. And, uh, yeah, so for me, I'm saying, like, three and a half stars, I think, solidly. It was cool. It was just another, like, little weird kind of... I don't know, niche crevice of music that I got to hang out in for a while, so it was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, I'll I'll second that. Mathematically, mine came out to a 3.07, so not far off. That as both people and as musicians and as writers, I think are incredibly smart people. They're really interesting people, which those are in short supply. And I think they're really clever, and I have, I really appreciate what they're doing, I think. Even when it confuses me, I think even I can still appreciate the fact that this is not Taylor Swift. I'm still very cognizant of, I might not be entirely sure of what's going on here, but I like that. I like that it's not just 13 lines about some woman living in in a mansion like i do to that picture this is cool because yeah. even if i'm confused a little bit it was some of these were nice and that it's so open to whatever that you could spend a lot of time thinking about what the fuck is going on here and i did mm-hmm. i did actually spend probably <laughs> yeah. more time than i needed trying to figure out what was going on with the potatoes and listen <laughs> i i assume there's a lot of weird shit going down in idaho yeah. like I want to, you know. so, I like that they get you thinking. Um, Real spuds. And I think that there's some, exactly. I think that I really love the day my baby gave me a surprise. It was a really nice, like, a really nice reminder of other stuff that I love, like the cars, like we talked about. And it's very cool that they have some stuff that, like, gave me that in. And I think that the rest of the stuff that I liked, even though it took a little while to come around to, like, I definitely, especially putting it on in the car, driving to the beach, which is a good six hours, I think it really even sounded better in the car. I'm gonna have to make a point to give everything from now on, I think, a car lesson, which I haven't really had much opportunity to mm-hmm. do for the last year. I haven't been in the car that much. And so, like, overall, I gotta give Devo props, and I, I'm glad that I spent some time with this, for sure. I do also get the feeling, and I'll have to test this out. I wish I'd been able to do it during, and we did have extra time. But my dad gave me a Big Star assignment. I was listening to my dad's Ooh. Big Star playlist. so Cool. Uh, I should listen to more Devo because I feel like I think that they've made albums that might be slightly more, slightly more my thing, and that maybe this one just wasn't,
1: Ryan, wasn't quite. Would you um, agree? Like I, I
2: feel like they've. I feel like.
1: I was just gonna say no. Jenny, I was just no. gonna say that I I was just gonna say Ryan, would you agree that Jenny would like first record more? Are we managed? You know I
0: don't know if it's first record, maybe
1: Hardcore Diva? Uh,
0: maybe freedom of
1: choice.
0: Interesting. I don't know. I, I
2: don't um, know. I will I, I will there, listen to both of them and I'll let you know. We'll make it mean, a sub assignment.
0: The thing that you, like, there are songs like Girl You Want's really good, Freedom of Choice is really good.
1: Yeah.
0: I guess Freedom of Choice gets a little weirder on the second half, where it's like songs like Gates of Steel. It gets
1: weirder, Um, but the instrumentation is like,
2: like... To be clear... Yeah. It's a hard thing to pin down because I obviously don't have an aversion to things that are weird. I've been listening to a lot of Conan Moccasin lately, so that's clearly not true. And it's also not necessarily true that if something's electronic, that I'm not gonna get. It's just that those things tend to be fewer and farther between on average. So, mm-hmm. it does get hard to say. I think I mean, trying to, to guess which of anything I might like is hard. It's very <laughs> case by case, unfortunately. No. The Try thing, the I thing that I, I wish I could. I was just gonna.
0: I was just gonna encourage. Like, you'll find more diva songs you like through all the other albums. It's hard to say that there's an album that you'll like gravitate to more than others. But I will say that at least like the first four or five Devo albums all have a song or two that are really just classic tracks. Devo is like the talking heads in that there's always something more going on than what the sound of the track might let on. But there's always songs that are like just bangers just really reliable like even like new traditionalists has uh, beautiful world which is a fantastic song but it also has weird songs like jerking back and forth that like it, it's yeah like you every song is like really full of divas like unique kind of weird melodic pop sounds or synth pop sounds they choose weird melodies but Every album has a song or two. It's okay. It's worth it. This one, this whole album, is totally worth this track.
2: Yeah. So there's plenty of artists that I love that I could say the same about. It's this would be such a good album, and, and then there's just this three-track dead spot in it. And I can say at least that atonal stuff like like this part of swelling, itching brain, I actually like that song mm-hmm. a lot. Up until they brought in that the two-note. Doo-doo-doo. I can't. As much as I, I've tried really hard, well, I'm okay with that, but musically, it's like nails on a chalkboard for me, and I, I have a hard time with it, and that's no matter who's doing it, Devo or anyone else. I just struggle with that a lot. You know, it, who knows? But yeah, I am going to listen to the others because I think that these were these were really cool dudes who obviously were more talented than probably maybe even they were thinking, and I think that there's probably a lot to mine out of their stuff. And I really could have and wish I could have maybe done it more comprehensively for over this past whatever. But I'll I'll take that sub assignment and I'll report back.
0: You know, much like this album, like Devo takes time like like to really get through yeah. some of the more abrasive components of a devo track it takes time it takes it takes that feeling of eh, this is too much or too weird or not <laughs> what i'm in the mood for and then at some point if it's just in the mix of what's playing like it tracks will pop up and you'll be like you know what can Maybe I dig I need it. to give this a
2: second chance <laughs> dig it oh. yeah it's that was fun. me with the yeah.
1: song that was me with the song i was like you know what like this,
2: <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, you, you know, know. In, in fairness to this song, if you take away those two notes, like, this is a banger, it really is. <laughs> I'm good with it, like, yeah. we're fine, yeah. you know. Yeah,
1: it's
0: just
2: those little two notes.
0: So, I think mm-hmm. for me, this is, I think, I give this four out of five, mm-hmm. and it's for a lot of reasons. One, I've been listening to Devo for a very long time, and like. The things that are weird Devo, I appreciate for their Devoness,
1: um, <laughs> for their divosity.
0: Their de- yeah, the De the, 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 yeah, the Devocity. <laughs> But like, it's because I've had those mo- those same moments of picking up an album because I really like a track or two, and then not liking the rest of the album for ten years, and then coming back with, like completely different ears and suddenly being sold.
2: I'm so glad that you said that. We'll get into that for why justifying my choice for next
0: time. <laughs> nice. Awesome. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for me...
2: No, I mean, I, I don't know how you guys are going to feel about it. Dude,
1: I, dude, come on, man. Come on. How, how many, I'm excited. I'm excited. No, exactly.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm excited. Um, I'm down.
0: I'm excited because I don't know what it is. I'll let you know how I feel about it when you're it. <laughs> um, so, like, for me, this album is the sweet spot. There are Devo songs that I like more than tracks on this album, but they exist as like a single track on an album or a handful of tracks on an album that I like that I won't listen to as much. This album, I like when weather starts to get warm, I don't know why, but there's something about that upbeat nature of some components of this album that it's like a warm weather fun listen and things get weird and things get wacky it's a wiggly world like it's never straight up and down like it it just as an adult this is it's like listening to they might be giants or we like it it's it's strange and fun and doesn't take itself seriously ever yeah <laughs> but it's yeah but they're all really good at what they do and Yeah, this is a four out of five. It would be five if there weren't tracks that I'd skip now. Mm -hmm. Maybe in ten years I'll be really into those tracks.
1: Okay, so I wanted to do one thing before, Jenny, before you announce your pick. I found out about this really cool thing last week, which was an online, on-the-web theremin. I'll put the link in our... <laughs> I'll put the link in our uh, Discord, and I'll put it in the chat, but... So check us out. What? You oh, no. Button? Oh, no.
0: Oh, you t- timed out on the theremin.
1: Hold on. What's going on here? It's not uh, doing anything. Oh. Do, hmm. to... do I need to... Oh, there we go. <laughs> do, do, can you guys hear that? Yeah. Okay. You basically just touch and do stuff, and it's really neat. And it has different like sound, kind of sound waves that affect the way that the sound. That is poor. Yeah. And you can a- adjust
0: delay, feedback, and is that scuzz? Scuzz. Yeah. So
1: if you put the f- if you put the delay up, like it just. Fun. <laughs> and then yeah. So let's see if I mess around with the scuzz. It just has a fuller kind of feedback. Um, yeah. And, um. yeah, no, it's awesome. <laughs> I've been screwing around with this thing all day. It's probably about as close as I'll ever get to actually having a theremin. You know.
2: You say that. Buy a theremin.
1: How much are fucking theremins?
0: How much are fucking They can't be they can't be that much
2: no but Eli Pollard has one so they can't be that much exactly
1: 500 bucks What, 300, I, what 350 bucks
2: I, are, I always forget the name of his band but he's got one so it can't be it cannot be that pricey of an item
1: I don't know man.
2: do you know which one I'm talking about Lewis? they always used to play at 123 and Eli's got a theremin that he plays with them
0: yeah I, 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 I yeah I can't remember been, the name of the band though
2: the name always escapes them always yeah.
1: It would be super cool you know, to actually learn how to play this damn thing. <laughs> I love I mean, the sound you know. Do it.
2: Do it! You've got a casita now. Do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, there there are affordable theremins, dude. Like yeah? they don't have to be a they don't all have to be a player box. Like it's, you don't have to drop. Okay. All
1: right. All okay. So so there's one. Okay. I'm seeing a hundred. Okay.
2: Maybe it's owned by Yeah,
1: yeah. I may have to Look at that.
2: do that. Dude
0: there is a there is an ebay listing for a kit theremin diy no soldering turn any object into a soundfi uh, a sci-fi soundboard <laughs> and that's 120 dollars.
1: Ah, that ain't bad that ain't bad wow that's pretty cool okay well, this is for parts but um still that's pretty neat yeah i've always wanted to I've always wanted to. I guess there's nothing really stopping me. Oh, Shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, in the meantime, you know, but <laughs> I'll put it in the, I will put this in the chat and yeah. Anyway, Jenny, go for it. Right.
2: dude. I think that you should get, I think you should get number one, get a theremin. Number two, <laughs> master the theremin or bait, you know, Half master, it doesn't matter. Just competency. Just enough. Is. Yeah, um, I just want
1: to do something. And then a little... uh,
2: we can collaborate a your mission theme song. I'll, I'll piano it. Lewis can guitar it, or whatever it is Lewis does uh, of choice.
1: <laughs> On the theremin. Yeah, that that'd be. I mean, what a combo! I mean,
2: wouldn't wouldn't? It would be the the strangest sounding shit I've ever heard. Probably with those three <laughs> humans, but I feel like we could do it.
0: And yeah, you're the audience's mission. Why not? get through the theme
1: song. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Oh. Look,
0: you're the only one of of the three of us that's in a couple like a semi accomplished musician. I yeah, know right, how good I, you are at
2: piano.
1: <laughs> yeah, I play drums. I play drums in marching band at a oh, fairly I, reasonably high level.
2: Listen, I have never learned to read music despite trying twice. I can't read sheet music, so there, you know.
3: Hmm. What
2: is that so I don't know about accomplished. I set out to do it twice, once in college and once shortly thereafter, and I found that it was very tedious to sit there and read notes when I could just do it without reading the notes. I didn't feel the need to put that extra step in there, and so I abandoned it. I don't know. I don't know what, what level of anything we could assign to that.
1: It, Iggy, so Iggy and Frankie just started. So Frankie just started piano lessons, and Iggy wanted to do something different, so the the little like music school that's close by here. For their age they do ukulele. So if you can just imagine my soon to be six year old son playing the ukulele, it's pretty hilarious.
0: That that sounds so adorable in exploitation. <laughs> like, like that's yes. just if if I'm at your house and Iggy walks out with a ukulele, like <laughs> I I will probably die of cute. Like, well, that's,
1: yeah. That's no, that's pretty adorable. it is pretty ridiculously adorable, so We'll see how that goes. And, and Joe plays piano, too. I think there's a decent chance they'll be more musically adept than their father. So, Jenny, go for it. What are we doing?
2: Okay. Next time, I'm going to do something very uncharacteristic for me, and we could do this podcast for another 10 years, and I'd probably never get back to this little mm. corner of this genre. But this is a July album, in, in my opinion, and since I get to choose, we're doing it. So, 2003 songs ohio magnolia electric company
1: hey i know that record if, um, man, i I'm haven't listened sure to it in forever you
2: guys are, do you yeah all right cool, cool. I, it's been so, a long time here's here it, it has been a long time for me too i heard farewell transmission and it was one of those songs that i just um fell in love with immediately and didn't even want to listen to the rest of the album because none of the songs were that good and mm-hmm. it was just like why this is an amazing <laughs> song and I'm talking like the, the, this doesn't happen that often but there are rare occasions where I love a song so much that I just have trouble turning it off which means I would listen to it on repeat and when I went to sleep I would fall asleep with it on and I would wake up and it would still be playing I really love that song a lot Nice. And I have decided that I need to listen to the rest of the album. And I started doing it. I'm not sure I'm finished doing it yet, but you guys can do it with me. Hey. It'll be an adventure. It'll be fun. Yeah. And it looks like... I mean, it will make you feel all of your feelings, and I apologize for that.
0: <laughs> That's not uh, a Jason problem.
2: Molina R. I. P. R. I. P. Jason Molina is R.I.P. R.I.P. Jason Molina. Not an upbeat dude, although... This album will spare you from some of his worst shit. Darkest. I don't mean worse, but. Yeah. So. That's cool. Yeah. That's
1: exciting. I'm sure I've listened to this record.
2: I will probably never do an alt country pick. Yeah. The
1: first real episode we Katie, did was welcome. I
2: think Katie
1: might have. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Katie has a, had the CD, so for sure. I, I don't remember specific songs, but I remember the cover. It's The Owl. So, yeah. No, no doubt. That's cool. Yeah. I'll be excited. Yeah. Be excited to check that out. And it's also out.
2: produced by Steve, Al, Steve Albini, which I thought was interesting because I didn't know he was doing much in that genre either. Me
1: neither. But, yeah, yeah. No way. idea there. Okay, cool. Thanks for taking You got a gun for letting, Or would you use mine?